This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Are you ready to be fucked, man? Providing insight. It kind of sounds like some kind of howler monkey. Commentary. It's a vaginal lead-up. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. Bradley, my brother, you are older than me. Name it. Do it right now. I, I can't. See? Is it sticks? Of course it's not. Come on. I wouldn't roll it out that easy. So this is what I'm talking about. For as it's another, it's another stick situation, though. It's a stick situation, but for as much as we have common interests and common likes and dislikes... There's a vast area of non-overlap. It's a Venn diagram of our likes and dislikes. And that's one of the areas that is a non-overlap. It's just all their negative space in my own little circle. It's Elton John. I think our music just does not overlap. Well, Maybe. Yeah, Elton John. I mean, definitely, I know Elton John. I knew who he was. I probably knew some of the songs, so I can't really say what they were. But there's a lot of Elton John classics that I did not find out about until, like, college or even, like, right after college. Because you had never heard them, and maybe they were on in a grocery store in the background. Exactly. And you'd never heard the name Elton John. <laughs> Well, no, I'd known Elton John, and I'd probably know some of his stuff. And if somebody put somehow. a gun to your head and said, name an Elton John song, you might have failed at that. I'm trying to think right now of the ones... Can you I... name an Elton John song? Wait, right now? No, I can do it right now, but I can only do the ones that I didn't know until college or later. What? That I, I will admit I should have known. I can't name that many, but I know but I don't know ones. what I can name before that. And I know I knew him. Like, what were some of his songs in the 80s or something? Like, I know those. But he had the, uh, yeah, I don't know. You probably know more than I do, really. But his classic, like, Rocket Man and My Song. <laughs> right. Isn't that what it's called? Yeah, Your Song. Mm-hmm. Anyway. My Song, Your Song. We... I mean, they were threatening castration. We splitting hairs here. You can tell everybody a, a, this is my song. <laughs> that's not an MS. That's a YS. It's a, not my song. That's a your, a your song. song. Exactly. Yeah, that that puts a whole different spin on the meaning of that. It's very selfish when you name it that. It's a whole different meaning there. <laughs> yes, my song. You can tell everybody this is my song. Because fuck you, I don't give a shit about you. <laughs> I hope you don't mind that it's all about me. Yeah, different song, man. Different song. <laughs> but you know what? You gave it the old college try, didn't you, Brad? I tried. I did my best. Good job. I'm telling you, I just don't know this stuff. Good job, The Brad. 70s are a black box to me, because in the 80s... You were too busy with Metallica. No, but in the 80s, the 60s were cool. 
Just like in the 90s, the 70s became cool, but then that was too late for me. Yeah, there's a two-decade delay period, Exactly. I guess. So the 70s are the black era for me. It's just, a, it's just a, a wall of confusion, whereas you were in there. Why? But why was I in there? I don't know. Hmm. It's just how... Uh, I don't know. You lived. It was like the, the village that M Night Shyamalan thing. Was I the one in the village, or were you, you were the in the one? village that was still living in the seventies or something? See, I would pretend like you were in the village. <laughs> that, that, I could go either way with that one because you you were in the more fucked up world. I think. Because what were you listening to? You weren't listening to sixties musics, Beatles maybe. Maybe. You were listening to, like, you know, Autobahn and shit. I wasn't listening work. to it. I was listening to Autobahn and Kraftwerk, but I wasn't, uh... But I was very aware of the 60s. Like, if you turned on, like, classic rock, it was, like, 60s. Right. Yes. Yes. I had... A coworker, like there was some other radio station that was like, "It's not classic rock; it's just music from a couple years ago." <laughs> so, I had a coworker though, who she was younger than me by a factor of, well, it's not a factor at all. I'm just gonna give a number of years, probably thirteen years younger than me. And she would go in the summers to like a music camp, probably late teens, but she was an instructor there. And she would teach the little kids classic rock songs. And then the for instance was, you know, like Sweet Child of Mine or Welcome to the Jungle. Mm -hmm. Classic rock songs. Yeah. Well, I actually heard that on the radio. What, so it was like Sweet Child you know, classic rock station, and then it was like Nirvana was playing, <laughs> right? As the example, right, right. Band of Horses was on there. Jesus, Brad, we're getting old, man. Hell yeah, hell yeah. He's excited about it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. We old better bitches. with age, out <laughs> of doubt. Like a fine Merlot. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, so do we want to talk about the movie within the first ten minutes? Um, I guess that's not totally out of bounds. Like break with tradition a little bit. I'm just thinking. I'm kind of feeling like mixing it up. I guess we could. We could do a little revisit because we start this off and we're still looking at Tara Reid's ass, her vaguely not very attractive ass. I just don't like it. I don't like the way it's presented to me in the shot where she opens the door for Uli, the cable repairman. Can you, can you, played by Carl Hungus. Can you do a, like a Google translate for uh, Dinah Cobble? (laughs) Do you even know how to spell that? Well, is Dinah Cobble. Dinah? Is Dinah a German word? I wouldn't even know where to begin I with guess. that. 
Deine Kabel? Here, what is the meaning of the of the German word Deine? But how, Dein, thy, your, your. But how did you spell so Deine? Well, I have the captions on, so I know how you spell oh. it. D-E-I-N. You're always so clever with that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just this kind of like German... German, English, Germish, whatever you want to call it. Ingman type of thing. Yeah. Carl Hungus is drifting in and out of the English and the German. He's meshing them together a little bit. Yeah. Mina Dispatcher. Mina, Mina, right. Mina Dispatcher says there's something wrong with Dinah Cobble. <laughs> Instead of your cable, it's Dinah Cobble. But Dinah is. Like, you could make the case that that's some bastardized version of your in German. It is your, yeah. That, that's exactly what it is. Oh, Dinah is literally your, Dinah. Yeah, Y-O-U-R. Okay. Your. And how did you spell so that when you... D-E-I-N. D-E-I-N. Dinah. But there's no... What about the uh at the end of it? It's it's German. I don't know. I don't know German. They just add there's any, extra If there's sounds. any German listeners... Let us know about this. Yeah. And anyone. I want to pimp this out. Because... Well, I think they have a lot to make up for, you know? Two world wars, so the least they can do is, like, you know, give us some linguistic uh, insight here. You know? Definitely. So all you need to do is go to gutterballs.tv oh. and click the contact link. Oh. Write us a message. Oh. Let us know wow. what you think you about, anything. about anything. Whether you're German, Germish, speak German, Germish, Eng Engelman, Engelman, anything. Engelman. Write us. Please, won't you love us? Love us, please. Engel Engelman, Engman. I don't even know how to. I was going to write that down. I give up. So if we're getting into the Dinah Cobble, so are we revisiting or are we just jumping in here? Well, uh, th the only revisit I had was Tara Reed's ass, so. Which, yes. Which is barely is a revisit. Right. Since she's in this. Right, her ass and her are both in this again. This minute so. as well. But go, you, you wanted to. So what were we saying? Well, Tara Reed's ass wasn't technically a revisit, but you were going to dive yes. right into the movie. Yeah, I think so. Well, I was saying maybe we should cut in the audio right here. It's a good time for it. And, you know, we could probably work that in and no one even realized there was a technical snafu, theoretically. Ma theoretically. Possibly. We're definitely going to edit all this out. Yes. So. Okay. Right. Take a listen. Dinah Dispatcher says there's something wrong with Dinah Cobble. Yeah, come on in. I'm not really sure exactly what's really wrong with the cable. That's why they sent me. I am an expert. The TV's in here. You recognize uh, her, of course. Wait, my Oh, that's my friend Sherry. She just came over to use a shower. The story is ludicrous. My name is Carly. She's been an expert. You must be here to fix the cable. Lord, you can imagine where it goes from here. He fixes the cable? Don't be fatuous, Jeffrey. Little matter to me that this woman chose to pursue a career in pornography, nor that she has been banging Jackie Treehorn, to use the parlance of our times. However, 
I am one of the two trustees of the Lebowski Foundation, the other being my father. The foundation takes youngsters from Watts. Shit, yeah, the achievers. Little Lebowski urban achievers, yes, and proud we are of all of them. I asked my father about his withdrawal. And there it is. There, there, there you have it. Minute 47. The 47th minute. We have uh, the rest of this wonderful log jamming scene in here. They give us a good, healthy dose of this log jamming, too. Yeah. Well, it's just part, again, of this movie just being this kind of roller coaster ride of strange, offbeat characters. Now and it, it just kind of weaves in and out. All these various... Well, we talked before about the mixing of all the genres, right? So now here's a little bit of porn a little for your bit eyeballs. A porno. Or, or faux porno, at least. Or porno. Forno. 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 Yeah. I like that. Fornication. Spelled F-A-U-X-R. Fornication. Fornication. Yep. Fornication. Fornication. You sound like a... Uh, Drunken Southernman. Anyway, another genre, which we failed to mention back way back when, one of the first episodes when we talked about the Coens being genre hoppers. Little did we remember that here is yet another genre incorporated into this movie. Fornication. Helga, bring me my tools. So that's what he says, Helga? That's yes. what the subtitles say, Helga? Yes, and so I listened to it with my, close my eyes, squeeze the headphones into my ears, listen, and that's definitely very clearly what I heard. So I did the same thing, but all I could hear was, weigh my tools. Like he wants them to weigh his tools. Get out the little bathroom scale, and I imagine he just takes his pants off and puts his Johnson on there, and they're going to weigh it, and then they're going to be impressed, so impressed yeah. that they're going to want to experience his tools. Well, with his, the bring does have a W in there, and the G is kind of the, the bring is kind of, the, the J, the G, ing, the G is kind of. The G in Helga? You know, and bring is kind of like diminutive, diminutized, vaguely there. And there is a W sound kind of added into the bring with his accent. So I could see how it could be weigh my tools. And the Helga is kind of like, there is maybe a beat between him saying Helga and bring my tools. That, oof, boy. So you might not have even noticed that. Like, it's kind of quieter because I think... Mod, you know, Mod kind of steps over it a little bit. Maybe, maybe I'd have to listen to it again. Huh. Yeah, I was not picking up on that at all. I really wanted to know what he said there, because it's not something I'd really spent much time on before. Yeah, so not only is there Bunny LaJoya, whose character in this movie, I don't know, has a name, but her friend's name is Sherry. So not only is there Sherry and Bunny LaJoya, but there's also Helga. Plenty what? of female characters. Right. Helga is oh. not seen in the clip we get to see, but presumably she'll show up with his tools. Plenty of female characters, but they're all being <laughs> trivialized and exploited. Sure, the story is ludicrous. 
<laughs> now, are you saying you're not sure of Bunny LaJoya's real name? I'm saying her character's name in this movie. It's Bunny LaJoya. No, that's the uh, her porn stage name. <sighs> All right, but it's the same first name as her real name? Yeah, it's kind of weird in that that's regard. That's a little weird there. Even well, though maybe... that's not her real first name, because as we come to realize, her real first name is Fawn. Yeah, well, there you go. So it is her stage name. And she also uses some variant or that exact stage name with the titular, the titular Lebowski. Lebowski. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't and really then, thought yeah. about that too much. Yeah. That is weird. Although maybe, I don't know, maybe, I mean, those names are in the beginning. Because he does say, because Carl Hungus, who is really Uli Kunkel, Carl Hungus does say, my name is Carl. Ich bin expert. <laughs> Again, with more of the German mixed in. I, his inflections drive me crazy, too. That's why they call me, I'm an expert. It's just way off the mark there. It's more Engel, Engelman, Germish. And the way I'm looking at this doorknob, this is like, now at 4605, Brad, Bunny is standing in the doorway, Uli's still out in the hallway. This doorknob situation looks like your crazy uh, screw going through the the uh, hinge deal where I can't make sense of what's going on there. Do you see how the the doorknob... No, I see it. I see it. I don't make sense. No, I make sense of it. You do? How... It took me a minute. How is the doorknob on the other side of the door going th through like it's on top of the side of the door like that. How do you understand this? Explain it to me. Well, I'm not sure what you're seeing. So here's, there's two things here that's confusing, <laughs> confusing the issue. Okay. One, there is, so if you were to back up a second or two, you would see that there's like this shadow created by the door opening. Like there's, the part of the wall that is on the same plane as the door, if the door was closed, uh -huh. and then the right angle, right? Yes. That's the other wall. Now, as the door opens, a shadow is cast on that perpendicular wall. Okay, you know... So then there's... But then when the door is open, there's this little sliver of... you of, of I'll just call it, for lack of a better word, a little sliver of light. So you have darkness, a sliver of light, and then the door... But that sliver of light you think is part of the door, because it's just this little sliver perfectly I see it. parallel with the door, and that's what is the root of all your confusion. I see it. No, I see it, and it looks like it is a part of the door, but in fact it is not. You have to watch it in real time to understand that. Yes. But if you just pause on 4605, that is a baffling conundrum. <laughs> it really is. And it's like, yeah, and then you have like the... Uh, does the I don't know what do you call that the something plate strike Ye plate sure <laughs> did you just make that up the strike plate I actually don't think I 
Strike? What it's, is it getting struck? Is it doing the strike? That's <laughs> the strike plate is on. <laughs> no, that's exactly what you call it. How do you no, know? No, the strike plate strike is actually what's plate. on the other side. Other side of what? I'm a so strike, confused. A strike plate is the metal plate affixed to a door jam with the holer holes for the bolt of the door. I thought the door jam was on the other side of the door. That's what I'm talking about. It's not a strike plate. The right, strike plate right. is on the other side. Right. Is on the, is on on the, the door frame. jam. Right. But I'm talking about the thing. You the, know, you just have, I guess, part of that door locking apparatus, that metal that sticks out that's in the middle of the door. That's also confusing the whole thing here. The complementary piece to the strike plate. Yes. Right, right. Whatever you might call it, that. The there's, a, there's, there's a door plate. for that. It, it's the getting hit plate. It's the obverse strike plate. <laughs> the obverse strike plate. Right, strike plate does the striking. The obverse strike plate... Striking. Gets the hitting. Like Carl striking? Um, if you want to be that way about it, I wasn't going to get that Carl crazy. Carl striking played the giant in Twin Peaks. Oh. And Mr. Home in Star Trek The Next Generation. Wait, the giant from Twin Peaks was in Star Trek The Next Generation? Yeah. Wow, that, the 90s. That was his jam, the 90s. That was. He that, was also um, Lurch in the Addams Family movie. Oh, I have a terrible feeling that he's not alive anymore. Uh, I see what you mean. You know what I, I mean? That kind of adds up. Let's see. Just because there would have been a place for him. He would have been in Game Carl of Thrones Stryken. or something. Mm, I'm scared. Although we covered every um, role that he is noted for in Wikipedia. That was it, huh? Yeah, it does. I know. I think he's alive. Well, why is Wikipedia he doesn't list the death, and it says in the picture they have here, it's from 2009. But it says here, Carl Stryken is a Dutch film, television, and stage actor. He's best known for playing the giant in Twin Peaks, Mr. Hum in Star Trek The Next Generation, and Lurch in the films The Addams Family, Addams Family Values, and Addams Family Reunion. But there, wait, there was a third Addams Family movie? Apparently. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know that either. Well, they need to take that. I just saw a list of, like, best... Um, movie franchises that are made up only of two flicks so it's like two movie movie franchises and adam's family was on there with adam's family and adam's family values so they may have to strike that one from the records they may have to strike in that from the record i would say so here's why i think it might not count tv movie Apparently, it was. There you they go. They were hoping to spin it into a new Adams Family series that didn't work out. I don't like the Adams Family, just in general. Daryl Hannah and Tim Curry. I, I have a problem with Tim Curry, I think. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Don't like it. Never liked it. He makes me uncomfortable. And I just, I'm not into that movie. I, I don't, it's just skeeves me out a little bit. I don't know why. I don't understand the phenomenon. I don't like how it looks. It's very, like, harsh looking. The light is all very bright. 
There's harsh shadows. I just, the whole thing puts me off. Big time. And Adam's family? I'm not saying it's like Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it, no. for some reason, gives me a similar feeling. <clears throat> I just don't like it. I liked that. Well, I liked the old black and white Adam's family. I did at the time, I but always... looking back on it, mm. Way better than the monsters, I always thought. I always felt the monsters was a cheap Adams family yeah. tie-in, even if the monsters maybe have more staying power. And John Aston. Who's John Aston? He played uh Gomez in the original Adams family. It the classic television series. The Patriarch, if yes. you will. Okay. Yes. Yeah, no, he's alright. He's great. He was in uh Tackle the Killer Tomatoes 2. Return of that the Killer very... Tomatoes? Or is this a third one? Um, no, it's Return of the Killer Tomatoes, yeah. Well, George Clooney was in that, too. Yes, he was. Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Another one I tried to watch fairly recently and couldn't get through it. I don't it. know if you could watch it now. No, you can't. At the time, I was fairly obsessed with that movie as a very young I was going to say man, but that's probably stretching. That's stretching it a little bit. As a very old child, not quite a young adult. I was on that cusp of being a young adult, perhaps. And it was like Return of the Killer Tomatoes was the greatest fucking thing. But were you laughing at it or with it? A combination of both. Like, okay. I know it was stupid. It knew it was really stupid, too. Of course too. it did. Of and it played it with that. It played on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it did star George Clooney. Right. This is, you know, pre-ER George Clooney. Oh, way pre-ER. Way pre-ER. I don't wonder what he but did. But it wasn't, it may not have been pre-Facts of Life George Clooney. See, I don't know anything about that. Facts of Life George Clooney? George Clooney was in the Facts of Life. He was in the later years. They had like a Facts of Life eventually gotten to this stage where it was just like it was like a, it was only like a couple members of the original cast and they, they weren't in I guess they were originally in like a boarding school or something Sweet like that. Jesus I just googled the facts of life and searched images and it's like my screen is just <laughs> plastered with mulleted George Clooney pictures holy shit well, that's like what the show is known for now, I guess. Yeah. So you, you search facts of life and do images, and it gives you the little, uh, you know, montage of pictures. One, mm -hmm. two, mm, three, four, five out of the ten are just single. Single close-ups of George Clooney. And then another one is him featured with one other person. So 60% of them are him, basically. And then he's in some others, but most of the pictures are just him, front and center. I gotta tell you, he's, you know, mullet and all, he's still a devilishly handsome fella. Even in the 80s. I assume this was in the 80s. Yes, definitely. I wonder... What year he was in Facts of Life. So are you ready for something? I'm ready. Lay it on me. I don't think I've ever seen the Facts of Life. I couldn't sing its theme song. I don't know any of the characters. 
I don't oh. recognize any of these people in this. And, yep, I don't think I've ever seen it or know it at all. That's surprising. But, hey, we lived in different... We had, we, as has been already established, we had vastly different experiences of the 80s. We really did. Now, I was watching The Cosby Show. I was watching Family Ties, you know? You probably weren't watching... I was watching the one... No, I was definitely watching that stuff. Were you? So you were just maybe watching more TV than I was. Oh, that's highly likely. <laughs> well, I had a lot of, like... Like, I had to, you know, chisel ducks out of the frozen pond, or, like, chop wood, or get coal for the coal heater. Yes. You know, or, like... I had to carry a jump coal off ashes. the cliff. So you didn't have to get the coal, you just had to remove the ashes. Yes. You had a coal heater growing up? Yep, we just I just had to remove the ashes. Now where'd you keep your coal? Where was There the was coal? a big bin in the in the basement. So you did that thing where they would drive up right to the edge of the house and you had a window there and they open yep. it and they open the window and they just shoot put a little shoot in there and they just yep, dump it in. He had a little like plywood bin area there and they dump Cinder it right block, in. Cinder block actually. Cinder block yeah. better. Yep. I was so jealous of my grandparents who lived right across the uh frozen duck pond because they had one of those. So the truck would come and they'd have the little sluice that would sluice its way through the window. Sluice. Yeah, I like That's that good. word. Saying That's a good word. Sluice, you sluice it in there. But we didn't have that. Instead, we had a coal shed, which was really just a converted wood shed. Because wood, I guess, wasn't as efficient then. Coal came and took over. But the wood shed was out across the yard on the edge of the woods. Maybe... Maybe 50 to 70 yards away. And, That's hardcore, man. And invariably, in early February, when it's dark at 5 p.m., my dad would go to, you know, tend to the coal heater and stoke it up, getting ready for the night, make it all hot, and get the... Uh, I've forgotten all the names for these things, but there's the uh, little chimney thing that slides into the coal heater, the, uh, damn it. But you fill it up, you know, it's a little chamber you fill up and the coal slowly feeds down through it. Mm -hmm. Why can't I remember the name of that? So how, so you put coal in there. But yeah, but he, it, but you had to just keep filling that up or else you wouldn't have any heat. Well, right. You had to. So if you filled that up, how long would it last? That would last a good... 12 hours, probably. So you had to go fill that up, yeah, like multiple times a day. Yeah. In like the, maybe once in the morning. Correct. And then once a little bit before you went to bed or something. That's like exactly that. right. But what would happen is we, would ha we had a bucket. So that was our, our coal ammunition was a bucket, like a five-gallon bucket. And that would maybe do, mm, that would fill that. Hopper, that's what it's called, a hopper. A hopper it would okay. fill the hopper up twice, probably. And always, it would be like 9 o'clock at night, pitch black out there, it's 4 degrees, and be like, oh, we're out of coal. Son, go get some more coal. Out of the coal shed. You know, 
what am I, 11? I'm like, oh, shit. So you'd have to, you'd go get the rechargeable flashlight from the hallway, Black and Decker, which never held a charge that great. It was always very dim. You'd get it off there hoping that it had charged enough to give you some light. You put that in the crook of your arm, you carry the bucket out there, down the steps, down the porch, across the yard, over into the edge of the woods, open up this rickety coal shed door, climb into the area where it's pitch black in there. There's a light, so that's fine, but you gotta reach in there. You gotta reach your arm into the shed, into the blackness, find... uh, squirrel around, kind of reach up over the plywood and then down, because that's where the light switch was. So who knows? It's down there. Okay, bam. Get the light. Fill the friggin' five-gallon bucket up with coal. Now that's heavy. That's heavy. So you had to make a choice here. Once that thing is full, that probably weighed 50 pounds. That's a heavy... Heavy son of a bitch. You know, I'm only weighing like 80 pounds. 70, 80 pounds, 90 at the most at that point. I don't even know. So you had to make a decision. Do I fill it all the way mm-hmm. so that it lasts longer and I don't have to come back out here into horror lands for longer? Or do I fill it not quite as much so I can get back to the house more quickly after I turn this light off. I would fill it up because I'm like, I don't want to have to come out here again. So you fill it up, a little shovel. That's terrible. And that's when they're going to come get you because you're compromised. You're in a compromised position at that point. You're bending over. You're focused on filling up the bucket. I would actually climb into the pile of coal so that I was facing out the door so I could like Keep an eye on yeah, things. You so don't they want your back there. No, you can't have them creeping up on you. And I would fill it up, and then I would have... It was so heavy, I had to swing it between my legs and sort of, like, waddle as it swung between my legs with the flashlight and the crook of my arm. And then up the stairs, I'd have to go, like, lift it one stair at a time. Clunk. And, you know, there's shit under the stairs. You know there's shit under the stairs, and they're open, you know, into the void. So that clunk, clunk, clunk clunk and then get in there but always like nine o'clock at night time for some coal if i was a smart person i just would have done it as soon as i got back from school when there was like couldn't you yeah or get like two um we had one bucket we had one but where are we going to get a second bucket from Brad. And where are you going to keep the second bucket? And where are you going to keep the the second bucket? Right. You're just going to fill your house with coal buckets? Why don't we just have a, you know, fill the cabinets in the dishwasher with coal so I don't have to go out to the shed because I'm a big baby. Why don't we do that? Maybe you could have put the bucket on a sled. I, Brad, I tried to, I think I actually did that one time. Now that you say that. And probably 10 feet from the shed that just (laughs) fell over. Right, it flipped over, and then I had to, like, shovel the coal out of the snow. And it's like, why is the house cold in the morning? Oh, because I just put a giant hopper full of snow 
into the coal heater. It's a terrible, terrible time. Yeah. Well, when you were shoveling the coal, did you find like you'd go inside, like you wouldn't? You'd probably like you might feel fine or whatever, but then you would sneeze, and then you'd just see oh, like just blackness is now coming out of your. It, it's more when I blew nose. my nose. Like yeah. every time I blew my nose, it was just like the snot and the boogers were just black. Yeah. No matter how much I wash, I would like wash out the inside of my nose. It's, it's in there, man. Yeah. There's yeah. no washing it out unless you're using like a neti pot or something, maybe. Black lung. Even then, I'm not sure. Yeah. So in some ways, I guess I'm glad it wasn't inside our home because that dust, you know, it permeated up through there. It's inside your home. Maybe. Well, man, they're sluicing it in like that. There's a lot of dust when that happens. That's true. I never had the black sneeze, though, unless I went down there. Because I'd have to go down there. And even though the, the coal was in that bin, you'd still have to, to shovel it sometimes. Sure. Because there was a arm that like went into that bin and like fed it in. Like, kind of like a screw thing that just fed it in. But... What it would do is just, like, where that intake was, eventually all that coal would be gone. And there's still tons of coal in the bin, like, all around it. So you'd have to kind of, like, shovel it all back into the center. I don't understand about this arm. What do you mean, an arm? Like, so we have, a, we have, like, a giant bin. It was like an automated coal. coal delivery system? Yes. That would and put it into the bucket for you? There was no bucket. It would just feed directly from that <gasps> bin into the furnace. Shut up. It would just, like, yeah. It would suck it up like a bank it, vacuum tube? I mean, it was like a screw. Like, imagine, like, a screw that could turn. It was an auger. Sure. Huh. That sounds about right. Man, aren't you fucking fancy. But, again, what would happen we is where... We live your highfalutin life, Brad. <laughs> where the end of that you know, was... No wonder you could watch so much TV. Well, exactly. That's why I was watching George Clooney on The Facts of Life. I missed that well, whole generation. you were out there carrying snow. <laughs> Coal snow, but coal, it, coal snow. The auger would just auger it up right into the furnace, but then you would have to. It would use up all of the stuff around the intake, so you'd have to just kind of push it over. Yeah, mm -hmm. but you're in your home, at least. Sure, you're in the basement, which kind of. Well, sucks. I mean, it was like a. I mean, it was like an un. It was like a. It's not like a basement. Like imagine a basement of your. I mean, it was like a unfinished. It wasn't even just like an unfinished basement. It was like... It was dust and cobwebs and pipes and stacks of Yeah, boxes it was like nothing. And... You could ever like live there or anything. No, I, I It understand. wasn't like, oh, your modern basement or you have boxes of stuff. This was like the undercarriage right. of an 1880s home. This wasn't a... Yeah. Got it. Like it's right where a pile of coal was very much at home. Right, because that's why the pile of coal was there. Because <laughs> it yeah. belongs there. Exactly. So it's a shitty-ass environment. But at least it's not as cold as outside, and you're still within the confines yeah, of your Yeah, no, home. definitely. Definitely so. better. But then we'd have to take... So you'd not only have to feed the hopper, but then you'd have to take the ashes out, too. Sure. Yep. Wait, where'd you put them? Dumped them in the woods. <laughs> yeah. Just dumped them in the woods. See, we had... Unlike your one-bucket household, see, you're going to make fun of my fancy lad again. We probably had five, maybe six 
ash buckets. Well, what'd you do with the ashes? So we would, well, we eventually go dump them outside. We had, um, more or less, yes, there was a, there was a place on our property where we would, where we would dump them, um, suitable for dumping ashes. But it was a, but we could save it all up. So in like the cold dead of winter, you would get probably one of those ash buckets a day. Right. So similar to your story, like, oh, you got to go change the, get the coal. For me, it was just, I got to go change the bucket. So go down there, pull out the full bucket, put an empty one in. And then maybe once a week, once every six days, it would be like, all right, we got to take these out. And then it was a marathon session of hauling, you know, one bucket at a time out to the dump site, dumping it, bringing it back, doing the next one, you know. But at least then you kind of saved it all. It was kind of like... right. You don't reach critical ash mass so quickly, you know? Yeah, and it was like, okay, I'm already, like, ready to do this. I'm braced for the cold. I'm freezing. I'm all bundled up. Okay, just do it. Versus, like, spend all that time, psychologically brace yourself and do it, and then you have to do that every day. You know what I mean? I think it was kind of better to just do it all at once. I agree. I'm I'm totally on board with that. We didn't even have a bucket for the ashes. We had, you know, we used our bucket... For the coal delivery to transport the coal from the coal shed to inside. So then what did you do with the ashes? We... You just kind of scooped it up with your hands and... We had a little shovel. It came with the stove. I mean, we weren't fucking animals, Brad. We <laughs> Why? Had... You like scooped it up one scoop at a time, went outside, psst, hey, came back. We would use paper bags from Kinsley's supermarket. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's put, uh, you know... The red hot coal ash <laughs> right, into the right. paper grocery bag and just fill that up. What's the worst that could happen? You know. Well, now, would you then saying take it out that loud? Bag. This is terrible. What kind of life was I living anyway? Well, would you Jesus. then take that bag and just dump it in the woods? And we'd reuse or it. Or would you? Yes. You just you just dump the ashes out and then reuse the bag? Hell yeah! Until it fell apart, and hopefully it didn't fall apart in the house on your way out. Would it? Would it be a? What is it at least like a double baggy situation? Mm, Maybe. I don't think so. They were pretty sturdy bags. Okay. They're no pretty need sturdy for the bags. Double bag. No. No. Did it have like handles, like those yeah, little yeah, yeah. cardboard handles. handles on it? Sure it did. Okay, it's one of those bags. All right. So it wasn't too bad, you know. But um we also had to I'm trying to remember where we dumped that stuff. I think out by the garden or something that there was this, you know, ongoing idea that that was supposed to be good. It would help mitigate highly acidic soil. But um, we also had to dump the uh, cat pan, which you might know as a litter box in your fancy mm-hmm. home. But uh, yeah, we would dump the cat pan out by the stone row. So that was out in the woods. It's like you had to get that stuff far away from the house because you didn't want to look at it. But again, I'm like nine, and it's like, I gotta go dump the cap in. And we wouldn't scoop it out ever. We would just wait until it was a horrific, solid mass, and then we would have to dump the whole thing, because we were, you know, lazy. Right. But, you know, it's another nine o'clock at night in the middle of the winter, and it's like, (laughs) I had to be like nine, but I just went right out the door, and we had bushes right there, and I just fucking dumped that shit right next to the house and kicked <laughs> some leaves over it. 
<laughs> nice. And I swear to you, if you go to my house, which is still there, you can still see residual cat litter <laughs> from that dumping. It doesn't go away, you know? Well, why would it? Where would it ever go? Right. Really? Where would it go? It's clay. It just solidifies into a solid, you know, ashtray or nice Mother's Day present. I don't know why we're talking about that. I really don't know. Well, that was a nice trip down memory lane. Sure, sure. I don't have to do that anymore. I cherish going out there. I have a shed, and I have wood stored behind it. And just to be a big, big fella sometimes, prove how, you know, cocky pants I am, I'll go out there and get the wood by myself, and I won't even take a flashlight. I've grown up, Brad. I've grown up. See what I can do? <sighs> I want to talk about something, but I'm not sure if this is the right time. Because it doesn't happen in this minute. But it kind of does. I guess I should just talk about it. Let it loose. Let's go. It's at... So when the dude makes his White Russian here, as they're watching log jamming, I guess you could call it 46... 30 or so. Well, actually, back it up a little bit. It's when he first... He pours the vodka in. He pours the Kahlua in. He's kind of looking over there at the porno. Confusedly, but he's starting to get the idea. He's using non-dairy creamer as his milk element, his half-and-half slash cream element for this drink. And you... Expect me to believe that you can just powder some creamer into there and use a stirrer in this icy, alcoholy mixture, and it's going to incorporate so beautifully into this perfect-looking white Russian. This is the thing about the movie that always stuck out as, um, as the thing that like brought me out of the reality. Because when I first saw this movie, I was... I want to say, yes, I was a bartender at the time. And it's like, what the fuck is that? But we don't really see it in this minute. We see it for sure at 102.45 when well, he comes back to Maud's place and the video artist is there, Knox Harrington. We see him go tap, tap, tap with the non-dairy creamer. Right, what you're saying is in this minute, you don't actually see what he adds to it. Right, it's just kind of like he's looking around and then he's stirring it up. But there's a moment where you can kind of see all the alcohol he's poured in. And then there's like a little little layer on top mm -hmm. of creamer yeah. stuff, but you're not... And it does look like maybe what I would imagine if you added the powdered creamer, it's the powdery creamer. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird and icky. It's granular. It's kind of forming a kind of just like a wet clay layer on top. Yeah. It's like you poured cat litter out onto the melting snow and it forms a wet clay layer. Exactly. Or like when you would make chocolate milk, but you would put the milk in first and then dump the Nestle quick on top of it. And you would try to stir it in and it would make all these little balls, you know? Mm-hmm. And the liquid mm -hmm. kind of form around them, then it would pop open, then it would form around them. But you could never get all of it mixed in too well. 
which I didn't mind because I would just eat the little quick balls. But yeah, if you want to do this right, you would put the creamer into the empty glass and then probably just put like a tablespoon or two of the Kahlua in and make a slurry for yourself. Then add the vodka, then put the ice in, mix it all around. Because you could take this creamer and make a slurry out of one of the liquids. But you can't just dump it on top and like jab at it a couple of times with a glass stirrer right. and expect it to incorporate. Like well, this. you see him like stirring and it has that, uh, like we said, that like cat litter type of essence to it. Then it, you know, and it cuts back to the log jam and cuts back to him. And all of a sudden it's this perfect... Yeah, it looks delicious. Light brown, delicious dairy <laughs> alcohol drink in right. his hand. And the the at one oh two forty five when he's back at Maud's place, it's even worse because he's just I guess he's getting comfortable in her in her space here. But he doesn't even use the stirrer. He just picks it up and uses his finger. Like the same finger he's he's holding a glass in his right hand or whatever, and he just kind of dips his index finger into the glass a couple of times, and we're supposed to believe that that incorporates it again into this nice, milky, delicious-looking alcohol beverage. And it's just crazy. Like, I like the idea that he's using non-dairy creamer to make a white Russian, but I don't think they should have cheated and made it look delicious. They should have kept it gross. And they they could have had little clumps of creamer in his mustache. He's eating them. Maybe he finds yeah. one in the next scene or it something. It would have been a great element to the film, actually. I think so. But they kind of cheated with it. Yeah, look at that. He's that barely even stirs it. It's terrible. He just jabs at I'm it. I'm looking at that at 102. Yeah, like he doesn't even... It's just like what magically... Is, right. You see him tap... The non the creamer in the 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 glass is out of the frame. You just see him kind of tap the creamer and then cut to the reverse shot, and he's walking away from the it. counter. And it's just like yeah, this again, this perfect milky beverage. They probably thought that was funny, but I just think they could have done a little better. I think it would have been even funnier if, like, he so desperately wants a white Russian that he's gonna drink this clay cat litter sandy. So let me get so, beverage. So let me make sure I just understand what you're saying here. So if you put non-dairy creamer in something like let's say coffee, because the coffee is hot, it's will will kind of well the I don't heat, know dissolve into the liquid more. The heat or are you just definitely saying this helps is what it. The heat definitely helps it dissolve. Yeah. But if you're gonna do that right, you put the creamer in first. Mm-hmm. You put a little bit of coffee in, you stir it around to make a slurry, and then you add the rest of the coffee. You know, otherwise you have to stir and stir and stir, but there's something about, you know, it being ice cold like this that retards the incorporation. So this, trust me, I yeah, I swear well, I went right home and tried to make a white Russian this way after I saw this movie the first time, just, just to work. make sure that I wasn't crazy yeah. and his... but i know from my nestle quick experiences firsthand that this doesn't work and that didn't even have ice in it yeah i was gonna say in the 102 he didn't really even have ice in it very visibly at least if there was ice in it whereas this one here in this minute 47 it's like loaded with ice yeah it's icy 
Well, that just wouldn't work he, no matter what. Yeah. He does put ice in the um, second mod white Russian because you can hear him do it. He's like, who the fuck are you? What are you doing? You can hear it. It's off screen, but you can hear it go clink. Even though I guess it's gone by the time they actually show the drink. Yeah. But. Or it's just like not enough. Or just, yeah, the ice to it just, liquid ratio is just. Right. Favors right. the liquid far more. Maybe you just put like three cubes in there or something. While we're on the booze topic, I don't know if I noticed this before, but there's bitters and Tabasco there. Did I mention that? No, I don't think you have. So apparently they were making either uh, Old Fashions, possibly some Manhattans, and probably some Bloody Marys. So, Maud's got a nice collection here. And I think I see a jar of olives in the back there, right next to the ice bucket. 4619. Could be olives. So probably some martinis, some Old Fashions, and some Bloody Marys. And maybe the non-dairy creamer was for, like, Irish coffee or something. You'd make the coffee and plug it with a little whiskey. It's a decent, decent little bar. Decent little bar she's got going on there. But, you know, you can't walk around the counter and open the refrigerator and look for cream. There's probably milk or half and half or cream in there. <sighs> I'm done with that. There's a... A uh, parlance precursor that happens here at 4648. Maud uses the term parlance. Yes. Well, she uses the whole phrase, in the parlance right. of our times. In the parlance of our times. Which the dude then famously reuses <laughs> in a very bizarre, not quite accurate way later on in the film. <laughs> To much comedic effect, at least to me. Yeah. In the parlance of our times, I now if we're gonna talk about Lebowski phrases you actually use, that's one I you probably use more than any of them. Because it's it just works in so many places. And I almost do it not even thinking like, oh, I'm gonna make a Lebowski quote anymore. I use it so much. Yeah, I wouldn't say I use it more than <clears throat> you know, like that's just your opinion, man. Or, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of them. But yes, you're, I do agree that it's one of the ones I use pretty frequently that's not deliberately a Lebowski quote. It's just something I say. Oh, Jesus. I got to tell you this. Oh, man. So I was giving my daughter the business the other day. She was just had all the attitude. It's like she wasn't doing what she was supposed to do, or I don't even remember what. It's just like, you got to do this. No, but you're not. Or I was trying to like, I was trying to give her a very valuable life lesson. I was talking to her, and then she's just not paying attention. She's like, oh no, this other thing over here, a blinking light is way more important. I'm not even listening to you now. And it's like rolling the eyes, all of this. It's like, I was just fed up. And I just left. I just walked outside, and then I hear like commotion inside. And she had gone to mommy to like, you know, plead her case and like bemoan the uh, horribleness of daddy. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I come back in. No, my wife comes out. I'm like, I heard all that going on. What was she doing in there? She's trying to like, you know, get you on her side or something. And my wife's just like, well, Jules came in and she said, Daddy thinks just because he's an adult that life stops and starts at his convenience. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I have succeeded. And it's like I just dropped the mic and walked away. It's like, my work here is done, everyone. Daddy thinks because he's an adult... That life stops and starts at his convenience. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so that's kind of I mean, the same thing here where she she was not intentionally making a big Lebowski reference, you know? It's, but I think she somehow absorbed that. Oh, she definitely did. Because I say it a lot, I guess, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to think. I just had a very similar story. But yeah, there's there's some of those things. With my son, where he starts referencing these movies or referencing these weird, like, internet memes or something just because he hears, like, me say them all the time. <laughs> That's going to really freak a teacher or right. somebody out sometime. <laughs> but I was like, wow, my daughter just tried to uh, chastise me. By referencing the Big Lebowski. Yes. <sighs> At least you didn't add you miserable piece of <laughs> shit to the end of it. Well, I did, but I just didn't want to say that. That say might that. have sounded mean. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I want to look at this TV real quick that Maude yes. has, which I think we talked about a little bit. It's a pretty kick-ass TV for 1991. But if you look at, um, so this is actually, any close-up of the TV, right at 46 colon zero zero, there's a little little tchotchke on the top right of this, little widget up there on the top right of the TV. And it looks like, and God help me, I went to Wikipedia, of all things, because I thought... I was trying to find the right name for it, but I thought it looked like that probe droid from Empire Strikes Back. Like the top of the probe droid. You know where they go kind out? Kind of. Just, yeah, just the top. Of it, right, on Hoth. And it's, poof, they're coming in. Right. But uh, I got more than I bargained for once I started looking at that. You really got to be careful with that stuff. They have the history of this thing. Uh, The company that made it have all its dimensions. They have the uh, model of droid that it was based on. They have uh, the design of the probot, they call it, also relied heavily on the work of Viper Sensor Intelligence Systems, a corporation acquired by Arachid during the Clone Wars. There's too much. There's a there's a whole other world that revolves around 
George Lucas's mind. There's it's the all that extended universe. It's stuff crazy, man. That I don't really. I don't subscribe to that newsletter. No, I don't at all. At all, one bit. I do not appreciate it. I just wanted to find. I thought I could, you know, Google search Hoth Droid Empire Strikes Back. Just I wanted to get the proper name because I thought they referred to it by name. And they did probe droid. That's all I wanted was probe droid, right. and I just got well, way this too has much. All this stuff. And like, we have thousands of probe droids searching the galaxy. I want proof, not leads. Admiral Kendall Ozil. Ozil. Is he really credited as Admiral Kendall Ozil? I know Vader says Admiral Ozil, but he, nobody ever says his first name. Does he really have his first name in the credits of Empire Strikes Back? So-and-so as Admiral Kendall Ozil. I don't know. It just yeah. irks me. I hate this shit. The movies are it. That's all there is. Well, exactly. Well, if you look under this history, there's all this stuff about IG-88. IG-88? What's well, that? I remember IG-88. IG-88 was the name... Well, he was one of the bounty hunters. He was like the droid, like the weird slender gray droid... Oh, yeah. I think he had like a bandolier or something. He that was in one. that Bounty Hunters mm-hmm. on, the, on the Star Destroyer scene. Yeah. And I guess, no, he's IG-88 because I had like the toy, right? And it's like, oh, IG-88. Yeah, because people were all gaga over the that Bounty Hunter business. Like, Yeah. Like Boba Fett aside, like all of those, they, it was just like, oh, it's this whole other world that we can really get into. Mm-hmm. Mm. I never got, yeah. Well, you had a IG eighty eight doll. Oh, yeah, I did. No, I definitely got into. It. I was gonna say I was about to maybe be. You were playing with your Star Wars dolls, and IG eighty eight was one of them. Yeah, I was ready to knock Boba Fett down a peg, but I'm gonna save that for later. But <laughs> IG eighty eight. So there's all this stuff about these Viper probe droids. Like the little quote: "Go and report. You have much to see. Burn brightly." IG-88 to the last Viper probe droid constructed on Mechas 3. So there's all this stuff here. Like, IG-88 took control of the planet's automated factories. IG-88 included a second set of programming into the Viper droids to relay any obtained intelligence back to Mechas 3 as well as to the Empire. How the fuck do you know that's what's happening, you know? Yeah, thus they simultaneously served as the eyes and ears of the droid revolution. Whatever that is. But no doubt that is, you know, from some comic book or novelization somewhere or video game, right? But the thing is, Star Wars really suffers the extended universe. And I'm even going to go so far. Well, definitely the prequels had extended universe-itis in the same way. In that, like... Well, that's what I was going to say. Just because IG-88 was some dude that actually appeared for three seconds in the movie... He has this whole story, and he's connected to the probe droids, and is secretly, like... But it he, just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. He wasn't even a dude, you know? He was just something in the background. He might as well have been, yeah. like, a control panel back there. It was just something else there. Oh, there's a scene where there's bounty hunters. Well, here, we'll have some bounty hunters. But he wasn't even a dude, you know? He shouldn't have had yeah. a name. I don't think he did have a name. No, he definitely didn't have a name in the, in the, in the show. But riddle well, me this... Then, no, go ahead. 
Well, I was going to say, I mean, you know, in Star Wars, I mean, definitely Star Wars, even, so, if you really think about it, right, and I know I'm not the first person to say this at all, far from it, but I just got to say it, right? It's just what really burns me up. So you have Darth Vader, <laughs> turns out to be Luke's father. Uh-huh. Okay, that's an interesting twist. Oh, by the way, he's also Leia's father, Luke. Is Leia's twin brother. Hmm. hmm. All right. Maybe I can give you that too. That's a little bit of a stretch, but fine. Oh, by the way, Vader also built C-3PO when he was a boy. Yeah. And used to hang out with R2-D2. Oh. Oh, another thing. Yeah. Uh, Chewbacca used to fight with Yoda in the Clone Wars on Kashyyyk. Hmm. Hmm, okay. Yeah, it's just, let's just stop there. It's a little much. Now, that being said, there's tons of protocol droids and tons of whatever, starship driving droids, so... Obi-Wan Kenobi, new! I don't recall ever owning a droid. Yeah, shut up. He knew Boba Fett and Boba Fett's father. Yeah, Hoda Fett. He ran into them. Hot Soda Fett, right? Exactly. I know, I don't... Hoda. Hoda. But, so here's the thing, though, Brad. Why, why did I know in, like, the early to mid-90s that the next trilogy of movies was going to end with Obi-Wan dueling Anakin Skywalker at the foot or near a volcano and beat him badly and leave him there to die, but he didn't die. Why did I know that before that movie, long, long before that movie ever came out? You know? Well, that was in, you're right, that was a, a thing... Um, what now is that from like fan fiction or extended universe shit? Or did like Lucas say that at some point? It, it was definitely, I'd have to look this up. Cause I knew that I, we all knew that it's like, I mean, we weren't sure that it was actually going to happen until we like saw in the movie. I mean, that was the quote unquote story, right? That appeared that I was going to say that was probably referenced in multiple extended universe things right so it was kind of this like pseudo canon thing and maybe it was from some like draft of some you know maybe it was in some early draft of empire strikes back they like recount the story or return of the jedi or something like that and it got cut but for every reason that was mentioned yeah in multiple extended universe i think there was a um I think there was like maybe a comic book that went over that. That was that sounds right. Early, that was early on um, at some point, yeah. So, and again, I think part of the problem with the prequels was they were so beholden to all that, yeah, bullshit. You know, like okay, well, we said in 1985 that they 
fought on a volcano, so that's how it's going to have to happen. But you know what? Strap on a pair and don't do that, you know? Don't don't be a slave to that kind of thing. Just make a good movie. Right, exactly. Mm. Well, and that's the problem. The Star Wars prequels are not in any way movies, and they did not seek out to be good movies. No. And, it... I'll, and I will say the same thing plagues a lot of Star Trek movies as well. In that it's more like, oh, let's view this piece of like f- history. Let's view the bibliography for the first movie. Exactly. Here's the here's the history of the Republic. Like they, you know, have a vote of no confidence on the Chancellor, and then there's a trade dispute, and it's just like, well, that's not a movie. Really, isn't? It's like you're watching like Ken Burns' The Civil War, except about some <laughs> fake. <laughs> thing you know like it's Some like it doesn't make any sense fake vaguely and explicitly racist far-fetched science fiction thing you know who makes good movies though it's not george lucas asia carrera yes asia carrera log jamming for instance yes sherry sherry the uh, friend of bunnies is played by Asia Carrera. She came over to use the shower. <laughs> right. Yes, she Asia doesn't Carrera. even get credited in the movie within the movie. No. Nope. Bummer. But she's, but you know, she she's sworn off the porn life. She starred in over 400. And I guess, Brad, if we were going to be politically correct about it, I think they're called adult films. Yes, adult film. She's right. an adult film. Well, well she was. She's not she anymore. Was. Now she's a mother of two. She went from adult film actress to mother of two. So proud we are of her. Oh my goodness! In 1998, she appeared in an uncredited cameo role in the film *The Big Lebowski* in the faux pornographic movie. I thought for a second they were going to write Fornographic. (laughs) And I was going to be miffed. But there she is, uncredited. She's an actual prawn star. Yep. And that's all I have to say about that. I I wanted to get into more of the... She was the first Asian performer ever to win the Avian Female Performer of the Year Award. Did you say avian? She was bird sex? What is that? The avian adult video oh. network? Oh, avn. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't know exactly what it stands for. I'm just okay. guessing there. But. That would have been weird, but, you know, people are into crazier shit, I guess. And uh, she uh, <laughs> identified investor Warren Buffett as her hero on her website, which Buffett was pleased to learn. Nice. All right, then. And did you ever notice that Maud says they um, they take the little Lebowski Urban Achievers from Watts? You watched the subtitles, so you probably did yeah. notice that. Well, I only notice it. Yeah, when you have the subtitles on, you know, I really debate just watching movies whether or not to turn the subtitles on. Because the subtitles, while they distract me from maybe paying attention to all the cinematography and all the nice visual things that could be happening, you really, like, understand the movie. Like, all these weird little things we're noticing now. Yeah. 
But like she Watts, like yeah, I know, I never like if you said Watts, yeah, they mentioned Watts and Big Lebowski. I'd be like, no, they don't. Just north of Compton. Yeah, but I noticed it. Yeah, watching this minute, so I've only watched Lebowski with the subtitles in essence this minute by minute. So yes, I did notice that in preparing for this episode that she mentions Watts, Watts, the children from Watts. So it's like for some reason they have like that's their their um you know that's their calling is like. Take these these Watts children and give them another chance. Can't be from Compton, you know. Can't be from I don't know other places around there. What's somewhere else? Glendale or some Torrance? I don't know. Can't be from Huntington Park. No, they're from Watts. Nowhere else. Not Linwood. Watts. Why did they There's choose one library Watts? branch and four high schools? But why Watts? I guess it's either, well, I guess there's two questions, two answers to this possibly. One is, you know, it's considered a, you know, in essence, a poor neighborhood, right? It's a different economic situation there. Lots of poor neighborhoods in that area. The other issue is it is a, well, one, it's like the, well, you know, there's the Watts riots, Hmm. right? I don't know Which anything the, about that. That was like, you know, like a racial, it was in the, like civil rights type thing. It was a, uh, one of these racially motivated riots. 1965. Uh, 19, hmm. Yeah. And so again, it could be, again, some, perhaps some coded racism or race related message, right? Like, oh, we're taking. Hmm. Most severe riot in the city's history until the Los Angeles riots of 1992. 1992. Wow. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yep. You know, that's... That would be 22 years ago. I don't want to talk about that. So you see pictures, you know, back when I used to watch the news, you would see pictures of, like, Bangladesh or Sri Lanka or... What about Sierra Leone, you know, when some, like, tragedy would happen or some, like, natural disaster would happen. You see all these images of, like, people running from the chaos and, like, decimation, hunger, starvation, terror, awfulness. But we have that here. And when you see pictures of it, you just assume the entire country is this, like, Lord of the Flies place. I make that mistake right, right. when I see that it's like, oh, all of Bangladesh is this hellish flooded nightmare, you know, or like, I don't know, anything. It's just, it's easy to fall into that conceit, but people on the outside looking into this country probably think the same thing when they see images of like Katrina or the 1992 Los Angeles riots. They just assume like, Jesus, I'd never want to go there. That looks awful. That's just a little growing moment I had with myself a couple years ago. Or, you know, perhaps they don't think that only because it's balanced out because images of America saturate the media. But do they? Well, so not only do they see the footage of the race rides, but they also see, like, the TV show Dallas translated into their native tongue or something. Dude. I mean, I don't know, right? It depends. The Bangladeshans... Did they get Dallas? I think that, they do. That play over there? All right. I think it's Dallas. Are you talking about the new one or the 
classic. The old classic one. I'm going back to the 80s. Oh, okay, here. okay. I was I watching the, that back the show then. Dallas was very popular worldwide, and it definitely did. I remember reading somewhere. It definitely did color the world, like, perception of the United States. I guess similar to what you're saying. Like, they all just thought... All of America was like oil fields and people wearing like cowboy hats, three D three P suits with cowboy hats right. and driving limos and stuff. With they just thought that's what it was like in big bullhorns, big uh, cow horns on the front of their Cadillac. Exactly, exactly. it's like that's <laughs> that's just what America's that's like. America. That's what that's what the a lot of the world just thought in the eighties. <laughs> I'm I'm going to New Jersey, America. I can't wait to get my own cow horned Cadillac. And cowboy boots. Yeah, well. Wrong again. Well, we uh, said we were going to keep it short. We didn't do that. And we have so much more to talk about. (sighs) I'm fine with saving it up, man. We We have some revisits next time. Yeah, we got a couple. You know what? Not too bad. Now that I'm looking at it, we didn't do too bad here. We didn't do too bad. I guess we didn't get to the uh, dreams and movies we've seen, but we can save that. Yeah, that's not important. That's not important at all. Okay, who cares about that? So we did pretty. Yeah, we hit we hit the stuff. I think in so. The parlance of our times. <laughs> in the parlance of our times. Uh trophy wife. Uh, what do you think that thing? The, just real quick though. The tchotchke on top of the TV. What do you think that is? Is that for the remote of some sort? That was that's just my hunch. That's my immediate thought. I don't remember that ever being the case, but now Well, I think this is some weird television. We used to collect our coal ashes in a paper grocery bag, so I mean I'm not really yeah. qualified to say. Well, I think we may have mentioned very briefly in another episode. Perhaps. I don't know, just how this TV is kind of flat. Yeah, it's a wooden case around a regular but it's really TV. like a weird flat case so i just wonder if like well maybe this was all purchased as a unit or maybe this is some type of special custom job and so the remote control receiving thing is like covered up by that case so they kind of had to like rig a, like an external unit and put it up there or something mm. just a thought because the remote she's using is not for the television, it's for the VCR. It could be some type of like combo unit of some combo sort. Combo unit. They're all in boy, that was a pretty penny. That was the case. I'm sure your dad had one in his car as he drove around with his cellular telephone, but Oh yeah, he definitely had a, a combo remote for his VCR hi fi and television yeah he had it in the car instead of a sunroof he just had this tv mounted into the ceiling of the car so in between sales calls he could like kick back and just look up yep. and, yeah yeah just kick that seat back and jesus exactly you got love it. that fucking guy man he and again from the inside just like in mod from the inside it was kind of like oh why how do you have this weird flat television screen but in reality <laughs> if you look at the car from the outside there was like this three foot high picture tube just sitting out from the roof of the car <laughs> Hey, but from the inside, man, you got a flat screen. Kick ass. Kick Tara Reed's ass, that thing. All right, man. What? Do we have any other obligations here? Are we gonna... <laughs> we gonna call it? I'd say let's call it. Let's call it, man. Let's do it. 
Let's do it. It's been a fine adventure, Brad, as always. You too, my friend. All right. We'll see you on the poop deck. Next time on Gutterballs. This compulsive fornicator is taking my father for the proverbial ride. 